Hello and welcome. It's the first week of March. We're thinking about acreage, March Madness. Brent, we've talked about this. You know, Indianapolis is going to be holding, I'm in West Lafayette, but Indianapolis is going to be hosting the NCAA tournaments and they're going to play a few of these games here on campus at Purdue. So uh, the hotels might actually have some business here later in the month of March. So it's been interesting to, they're putting up some signs around town now saying, you know, this is the Hoosier Hoops Highway. So (laughs) they're trying to capitalize on this opportunity. But outside of March Madness basketball, it's March Madness on acreage. Brent, I want to kick it over to you first. Talk about the crop insurance and the price ratio. We've been looking at this, and of course, the prospective planning survey is probably in people's mail. If you're going to get it, you're probably getting it about right now. I've never gotten one. I don't know you're how you can get missed. <laughs> I'd like to fill it out once, but they don't. They're they should be coming out shortly. Uh, one of the big inputs into that, of course, is you know producers have to kind of tell you what what they're thinking in terms of acreage, and so. We've done a couple articles. One of the big clues is the crop insurance guarantee. The article I wrote initially was kind of where they were at. February started. Now we know where they're at. Basically, the relationship between corn and soybean prices did not change. It's still 2.59 ratio soybean price to corn price. What did change is the overall level of profit or prices went up. Corn 458, soybeans 1187. So we did a lot of work kind of looking at what does that actually mean and what does that tell us? And, and what I would say, based on the articles, they'll give you the short of it, is that, yes, it's information. And that 2.59 ratio of the crop insurance guarantees tells us that soybeans are going to be awfully competitive with corn, but don't just write down that they're going to split acres evenly because there's a lot of other things you have to think about. And so I kind of walked you through, we've got some data that shows some things, but keep in mind, there's more to it than just prices. And one of those things is the contribution margin that each of those generate, which is basically revenue minus variable costs. And what we do when we find that is that these two crops come in very close to each other. And so for instance, the difference using the Indiana numbers is about a $9 advantage for soybeans this year. Now, for instance, back in 18, when the acres split half and half, soybeans had a $37 advantage. So one of the things we're trying to communicate is that there's more to it than just the price ratio. And our analysis can indicate, you know, corn is going to be awfully competitive. And I call it betting on on the upside or what's on the upside and what's on the downside. And this year, the downside is low because all the crops are, have prices that can generate a profit. If you focus on the upside, then corn has probably got more upside. So if you read between the lines of that article, it's kind of saying, Hey, corn is going to be awfully competitive relative to soybeans. Still going to get a lot of soybean acres, but I don't know if they've done enough to get to anywhere close to 50, 50 this idea of betting on corn resonated with me. And so I was thinking about analogy that we can take from poker and good poker players. You have to play the cards you're dealt, but also you have to play the table. And that includes your chips, how many chips you have, who's the leader of the chips, where the blinds are at, how big the blinds are, who you're playing against. And there's a lot of things at the table that you got to consider. 
So if you only think about the price ratio, it's basically only considering the cards. It's not considering anything else. And so we worked on a, a memo of what we're thinking about memo that it builds off this betting on corn. You really have to take a look at this. This is really interesting. And, and we started with this story that, well, first off, we started with this idea that farmers love to plant corn, which is probably one of the most useless things we hear in agriculture. In fact, it's usually the comment that is thrown around whenever the report or the estimate doesn't line up with what we thought. Well, it's not actually a helpful comment, but there are economic considerations at play. So we start off by talking about in lean times, soybeans tend to be favored. Well, there's less money at stake and there's less risk. Well, if soybeans are preferred in lean times, the inverse is true for corn in favorable times. And we set this stage up in this idea that on average, soybeans might have an advantage. And so that's what most of us see when we make these budgets. But we did a Monte Carlo simulation and said, you know, let's look at the range of possible soybean outcomes and the range of possible corn yield outcomes. And we found out that while soybeans might have the advantage in the budget using average yields, when you look at the distribution of outcomes, corn has a favorable outcome about 47% of the time, 48% of the time. This is a hypothetical example. But the idea here is when producers start thinking about Upside versus downside, Brent, as you just mentioned, corn starts to be that crop that might have some upside potential to it. And given the table, the strong profitability, and where we are in 2021, corn might seem to have some advantage, even though the price ratio would say soybeans are the strongest, best position they've ever been in historically. That's only looking at one of the elements. That's the number. If you just look at the price, it's the highest we've ever seen. So it, it is the highest that is in the modern crop insurance era. But I think when you really start thinking about it, it's probably not as favorable as one might think. And part of that is just due to the cost structure and the way the cost structure is this year. Soybeans have low variable costs. Corn has more variable costs. So on the end up in the negative side of things, it can lose money more quickly. But on the other side, if you can push that yield up, uh, corn's looking more favorable. Either way, both commodities going to capture a large number of acres this year. So Brent, for those of us that are following along on the video, I'll uh, I'll reveal the score to one of my forecasts. It's not very pretty. Dicamba herbicide, <laughs> you know, one of our readers, several readers reached out and said, you need to have this in the forecast after last summer's dicamba situation. So we asked the question, what's the probability of the four dicamba herbicides getting a new EPA registration on or before March the 4th, 2021. And this is another example of how things can play out very interesting when you're paying attention in this framework. The first thing that happened, right, is last fall, three of the products got the label, but Fexapan did not, Corteva's brand, but they were applying for it. So we were watching and I thought it was a pretty likely outcome. I had 90%. I was well above uh, the consensus and the consensus eclipsed me. And then, you know, just two weeks ago, I looked at this question like, oh my gosh, we're almost out of time. I got to drop my forecast. So I dropped it pretty significantly. And then on the 23rd, I emailed Brent and I said, look at this. Now there's an ag media article saying Corteva was not going to sell that product anymore. They're going to discontinue sales. And I jumped to the conclusion that that meant they weren't going to get their EPA registration. But if you read the background article we've updated, 
the next day, the EPA gave them the registration. So as of March 1st, all four products had EPA registrations. Now, the one isn't going to be available to buy, but it's interesting how you write these questions so that you can follow them. And the question didn't resolve as we kind of might have expected it to, right? But we learned a lot along the way. So my score here was in the 53rd percentile. Uh, I learned a lot. I didn't necessarily score very well, but I learned a lot. And so this is one of those fun questions that we, we can follow along with. That's good. I mean, honestly, if you can stay in the top half all the time, that's pretty good. We also closed the 475 question last week, probably the December 21 corn getting over 475. That question was open a little longer than 425. It stayed open for, I guess, about a month. So we're going to have to change the upper range maybe of this December 21 corn contract. I was in the 59th percentile, so I did a little bit better there. Br- br- Brent does better in his forecast when he tells us what his score was. So apparently he must be doing a little, a little worse than I am. But anyway, it's been fun to follow those <laughs> questions along. We're going to add a new question about the USDA report, of course, coming out at the end of the month. The USDA put an early flag in the ground, 92 million acres corn, 90 million soybeans. The biggest takeaway I had from that is the combination is 182, assuming normal prevented planting. And that's that would be a, a big the biggest acreage planting, right? So we're expecting a a pretty big factory going in this year. I think that was one of the important signals that they sent is that you can expect the combined acreage of those two crops to rise this year. And they're also seeing a little bit of a signal, kind of like we were saying, uh, it looks corn maybe a little bit more favorable than soybeans. And so, you know, honestly, a lot of times when those numbers come out, they just immediately, you know, you just kind of ignore them because they're just forecast from say November or something, but you'll look at those numbers. They don't look that ridiculous to me. I just think it's going to be interesting to see how it splits out this year because soybeans, I think if you do the numbers on the carryouts and whatnot, anything under 90 million acres, it's going to result in pretty tight stocks to use if demand doesn't change, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it's a good question is how much usage should we assume? So at one point, Brent, we took last year's usage or usage for the current marketing year that the crop we harvested last fall and said, if we assume trend yields, uh, how many acres does that take? And it was a pretty significant number. I, I want to say 184 million. Don't quote me at that, but it was above. way above 180, which is where we would have been normally 182 where we're thinking maybe this year. And so anyway, it's, I want to wrap this up by reminding folks Prevent planting cuts both ways. And so you could have a scenario, and we're going to lay this out in a future article, where prevented planting could result in an extra 2 million acres, right? So prevented planting comes in below normal. It could swing corn and soybeans 2 million to the positive. And so we got to keep in mind that there's a lot of factors here. And I think prevented planting has been going to the favorable side, right, for prices, but it could just as easily swing the other way. Even if the USDA's 182 is spot on, and that's where producers intended to go with normal prevented planting, we could creep up a million or two if we have dry favorable planting conditions, which I don't know, look at the drought monitor, that could be a possible outcome. You see all that that dryness, producers get a lot planted in a quick fashion during those times. 2012, of course, was, was a year of record low prevented planting. And so that might be an important narrative to keep in mind in the next two or three months. That's a good point. You know, the one thing we do know, economics works in terms of when farmers see profit potential, they're going to go after it. I think they're going to respond to these higher prices with a lot more acres of, of everything. So 
just keep that in mind the coming months. Uh, Things can change as we've seen, right? They changed from really bad to really good in a short period of time. So just keep that in mind. Things change and, and shouldn't be surprised when they do. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. We'll catch you next week. In the meantime, stay curious. Mm-hmm.